Welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something, as myself, Lorca Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, continue to go through every star, five-star match that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has given that rating to. As we go in chronological order, we're in the final decade, we're now with the promotion that's going to dominate the proceedings for the rest of this series, and we're back in New Japan, and we're back with one of the participants of the previous five-star match. Simon, what match are we covering today? Uh, we're covering... Uh... Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on someone who's going to be a big name in this list. Yes. Uh, Kazuchika Okada. This is the first of many singles matches that Okada will have. It's possible by the time we finish recording this that Okada could have taken over, at the very least, Kawada in the uh, five-star ratings. Because at the moment, our top three five-star rated matches, uh, people with five-star rated matches are Masao with 24, Kabashi with 22, and Kawada with 19. We've now covered all of those. Already having overtaken Akira Tawe, the fourth pillar of heaven, who have 14 matches, Kazuchika Okada currently stands fourth in the overall listings with 16 five-star matches. This is the first of the 16. There may very well be more of those that we have to cover before this series is over. And then when we go past 2020... And we do this continuation and we'll look at matches as they continue that Dave Meltzer does give five stars to. So this will be a series that we return to in the future. You will assume that Okada will eventually, you know, touch wood, not, you know, injuries and what have you, not notwithstanding, will eventually become the most, the highest five star person ever. And he's Thinking also, about it, how old is Okada? Okada at this point, I think, because when he won the IWGP title for the first time, which was eight years ago, I believe he was 23. So I think that means that his oldest right now, he's 31, maybe? 31, okay. Could probably do another, like, again. He has my birthday. I am officially oh. four years older than Kazuchika Okada. And look what I've done with my life. <laughs> I love this podcast. I hope you do too. <laughs> uh, mine's not hit me yet, although um, a certain individual who we'll be talking about in the future being born in 1997 does depress me. Mm. So at this point... Uh, but anyway, no, to get to my Zuchikura point... Kada is 25 years old, if I'm not much mistaken. He's 24 so, as, 25. As, so in terms of projection then, if he's 31, uh, again, touch wood... No injuries and all that stuff. Another decade, he's probably going to hit top spot. It's it's, it's just it's logical at this point. Yes. Uh, also, he's already by far got the top spot when it comes to singles matches, because of the sixteen matches that he has, um, he has fifteen singles matches with five stars. Uh, the other one being one tag team match. And that was the question we were asking, maybe when we compare him to Masawa uh, and Kabashi and Kawada. They were also carrying the tag team divisions of, of All Japan at the time. But we'll cross that bridge when it's necessary to come to it and mark that off on your Let Me Tell You Something bingos. Wait. 
Um, and also, the other guy on the other end of this uh, uh, story, Hiroshi Tanahashi, is the second highest singles match five-star um, earner. Uh, we are watching the second of 12 matches that Tanahashi's had that have received five stars. And those are all the only matches with five stars. Tanahashi has no tag team, six-man, multi-person matches. So, and we've got a fair few between both of these men. Because many would argue, especially when you saw the reaction in their recent G1 Climax match in Dallas, Texas. When thousands of American fans went crazy for the ringing of the bell of their match to start. This is really the rivalry that maybe more than anything else is why New Japan is the second biggest promotion on a global scale. Maybe soon to be surpassed by AEW. We'll have to watch that as it goes on. But definitely seen as the place to go for quality wrestling. Um, these matches are essentially... Um, these matches are essentially what the Masawa Saruta series could have been, I suppose. In that we're seeing the, content- the, the story being told over a number of matches of... Uh, you know, the young lion of the pride, obvious um, metaphor to use in this situation, um, taking the spot. You know, it's it's the young person trying to claim the top spot. It's John McEnroe against Bjorn Borg. It's Muhammad Ali against Sonny Liston. You know, it, it, it's Floyd Mayweather against Oscar De La Hoya. It's the young person trying to usurp the old guard. And Kazuchika Okada had only de- re-debuted in New Japan uh, 14 months previous to this. Uh, sorry, 16 months previous to this when he made his re-debut at Wrestle Kingdom 2012. He wrestled against Yoshihashi and they didn't have a particularly convincing match. It was very short. Okada's Rainmaker did not look very impressive. He essentially went down to the map with him. It was sort of a flying clothesline. Right. And it doesn't help that he was also fighting Yoshihashi, who, you know, give him an A for effort, but he's not a very charismatic performer. He's not going to get the best match out of you. So when Tanahashi then won his record-breaking 11th defense, I believe it was, 10th or 11th defense of the IWGP title in the main event of that mat, of that event, of that pay-per-view, Tokyo Dome show, uh, at the expense of Minoru Suzuki, who we saw... This wasn't the five-star match that we previously covered. This was a match before then. It seemed like he had no one left to to, to face. Take up. And rather unexpectedly, Okada's the man that turns up in the post-match uh, promo to challenge Tanahashi for the title. And Tanahashi says, you don't deserve this yet, but I will give you the chance. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to beat you, but okay. Yeah. But that leads into the story of the match itself. And and people wonder if Okada's appearance wasn't quite the Rainmaker yet. He had weirdly, awkwardly bleached eyebrows and his teeth were all weird. He got his teeth done, you can tell, in between. And he was very awkward on the microphone. So very soon after that, they paired him up with Gado. And Gado became his spokesperson for the foreseeable future. Um, And then I remember catching the results and just being absolutely shocked that Okada won that match. It was one of the biggest shocks, one of the biggest upsets, like on a much greater scale than Masawa. Because Masawa had been like the young prospect under the Tiger Mask guys. Yeah. Years before then. 
no one knew, no one thought Okada stood a chance, basically. Um, well, he'd only been back in the promotion at this point, what, three, four months? Two months, two months at that point. And Meltzer himself, if you read the Observer immediately after that, was very critical of the decision. He said Tanahashi is the guy, Okada is unproven, he doesn't look right yet out there, he looks awkward, and he's not the guy. And I think Okada had one successful defense after that against Tetsuya Naito, which was a good match. But then Tanahashi won it back in June at the follow-up rematch. Then Okada wants to prove that he's not a fluke, and so he wins the G1 Climax on his first attempt, beating Carl Anderson in the final. And at that point, I think that was the first time, well, I know it was the first time, that the G1 Climax winner, he said, I'm going to challenge Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. So at that point, the G1 essentially takes the role that the Royal Rumble does at yeah. WrestleMania. Although they also fused it with the money in the bank because he walked around with a briefcase for the next four months saying his title shot and he had to defend his title shot a couple of times against people who'd beat him in the G1 Climax along the way. So they have their match at WrestleMania. It's a bit weird. Yeah. Getting a gr- it's like beating uh, Brazil in the groups and then claiming you've got a right to like you know be champion of the world. Bit weird. Well, it's different horses for courses. Although there is that, you know, that there is that unofficial world champions thing that's being tracked along all. The yes, uh, Costa Rica won it in twenty fourteen for a hot period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it goes from the first international match, which was England against Scotland. In 18, so you know, 18, you know, well, well, that ended in a nil nil draw. So that's how we share it. <laughs> it's fine. I think Scotland love sharing with us. It's I think, fine. I think England won the rematch. Uh, so everything's back to where it should be. Um, so yeah, and we did end up accidentally. Well, not accidentally. We we did. Well, yeah, I guess accidentally. We did watch that match because we mistakenly thought it was a match that Dave Meltzer given five stars, but it actually turned out he only given it four and three quarter stars. So we had to watch a four and three quarter stars unnecessarily. Might as well have gouged our eyes out, eh, Simon? Just offensive. Just offended oh me on a spiritual level. Uh, why don't I eat at a place that only has one Michelin star? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, th- but that match was a very, very good match. And I-, I did suggest that maybe it would be a good idea for us to watch all of these matches. Because um, if, ca- if you discount a- one match they had in 2010 when Okada was just a young lion, they have in total had 13 matches in their rivalry. Um... And as it stands at this point, going into this fourth match, Tanahashi leads 2-1. And you could almost argue that this is Okada's point to prove that he's not a fluke. That this is maybe his last chance. Because Okada then won the New Japan Cup to earn this next title shot. Okay, so he keeps getting himself into the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So it is that question. So, like I said, like it usually traditionally was that the youngster would get closer and closer and closer, and then they get the big win. But with this, they they circumvented that a little bit. They they started off with the shock upset win. Then Tanahashi gets it back. Then on the big stage, Tanahashi still proves to be that little bit better than Okada. Yeah. Um, talking about that match as well. What was interesting uh, watching these, and um, and one of the reasons I wanted to watch them from the start, and we didn't, unfortunately is that I like the idea of this telling a story over multiple chapters. That is what this rivalry basically is. And there are callbacks and references. And you could tell it in the um, Wrestle Kingdom match 
that essentially what it was were both men had learned from the other one. And it was quite similar, the Tokyo Dome match, to the John Cena CM Punk match, where their trademark moves were reversed and then they'd hit them in an alternative fashion. Yeah. And you get more of this in this match, but also what I thought was notable in this match is it seemed to be more them trying to surprise their opponent with stuff that they hadn't done before. And what there also seemed to be in this match was a lot more limb work. It was very reminiscent in in some ways to the Tanahashi-Suzuki match that we previously saw. In yeah. this match that we are covering, the five star, the first five-star match in April 2013, Tanahashi very explicitly goes after the arm of Okada to neutralize his Rainmaker finisher. And Okada in return targets Tanahashi's neck, which yeah. makes him um, susceptible to the Rainmaker. To, to jump a little, a, a small bit backward, just before he starts targeting the arm to neutralize Okada as Rainmaker, he goes for his own Rainmaker in like a real big, like, oh, I'm going to mess with your mind kind of vibe early yeah. doors, which I loved. Yeah. And already there's things that like, you know, so to to define the Okada character, I am, I'm a huge fan of the character. I'm a huge fan of his presentation. I love his music. I love always re- re- like uh, reenacting the ah sound in the in the uh, entrance music. Uh, and his whole basically the way that I would try to describe Kazuchika Okada is that he's half Ric Flair, half Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, he I has get it. All of these physical gifts. He's all about bling, success. He's cocky. He's arrogant. He seems made to hold for a championship to be around his very tall like midsection he's got a very t- long torso so it's yes. kind of appropriate that he has a belt in the middle of it to kind of <laughs> it seems like it's designed to have a very large belt in there is obviously his whole look is gaudy and blingy and colorful love his robes yeah love his robes his are robes. awesome uh i love his uh, well you know when he went that year of wearing the Shawn Michaels long trousers and uh, everyone was upset. And so at the previous Wrestle Kingdom against Jay White, he unveiled that he was back to the shorts. And there was a joke, uh, vo- there was loads of joke viral memes about it. One of which was taking that footage and superimposing it over footage of England fans seeing England score in the World Cup and beers <laughs> flying up in the air. And you know what's craziest? Dave Meltzer retweeted that, and I think he thought it was real. <laughs> well, you know, it had yeah. a genuine reaction from people. Like I said, Kazuchika Okada seems to have every physical gift. He's tall, he's athletic, he's fast, he's strong. He's, he's damn good looking. Yes, but I think, unfortunately, he has tough competition, but I wouldn't put him in like the top four New Japan uh, stars right now for good looks. I don't right, think he matches... What are your dream boats? Well, Sonada, obviously. Ibushi, obviously. Tanahashi, oh, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I've I, always thought Shibata was quite a handsome man, but some people disagree with me on that. Uh, I, I can see where you're coming from, but I'd put Okada ahead of Shibata. But of course, none of them stand up against young Minoru Suzuki. Oh, no. Oh, Gorgeous Minoru Suzuki. But Brad Pitt barely stands up to young Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> oh. But what I will say is that even though I don't think he is 
he's handsome, but I don't think he's like top to. I think he's movie star handsome. Yeah. He, he like you can see him being like a you know a, a pop a rock star in a different way to to Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanahashi kind of has that classic eighties rocker look, I suppose. With yeah, the air which... guitar and everything. You think like uh, uh, Okada would be more like an electro sort of guy, maybe. Kraftwerk. More, more the no, more like the lead singer of the nineteen seventy five or something like that. You know. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see what whereas, you're. Giving... Whereas Tanahashi's more like a John Bon Jovi type. <laughs> uh, and to get back to the match, um, Okada's arm is soon living on a prayer. Nice. But yeah, uh, just to go into it into the beginning, like Tanahashi looks genuinely really confident at this point. Like he thinks he's got Okada sussed. He's yeah. won two in a row and he kind of knows this one will kind of, will, will shut him up and send him back down to the mid card where he should be for, for now. It's like, yeah, yeah. At this stage, he's been shocked, but he's over it. He's like, okay, so he's you had your moment. So he's intentionally being kind of like loosey-goosey uh, at the start when they're going for like the, the, the sort of knuckle locks and everything. And he's also not having any of Okada's cockiness. Okada always at the start of the match loves to push someone into, sort of show his strength and his size advantage over someone. So he overpowers them into the ropes. Looks like he's going to go in for a hit and then just lightly pats them on the chest. But but Tanahashi just has none of it. So he grabs him and just turns him around. And then they, they're they grappling into the corner where Okada again goes for the cocky goes for the cocky slap and does the rainmaker pose. So then Tanahashi just kicks him in the gut. It's, it's, it just struck me as one of those moments where uh, you're playing the WWE games and you want to do a quick talk just to get yourself a, st- a finisher stored. Mm. And you hit the wrong button and you're just smashing the pad as your opponent recovers. And you just know you're in trouble. Just throughout the whole match, I love how they're both... not. It's not just that they want to win. They want to beat the other guy. There's a, there's a genuine satisfaction that both people take. There's Okada, a meaning to it. Yeah, Okada knows he has to knock him off of his perch. And Tanahashi, just like you, bloody young upstart you know it's like you're not you i'm not giving up this crown yet i've had enough of your games you rapscallion yeah and they can both just get under each other's skin in that way like okada's cockiness clearly aggravates tanahashi and tanahashi's arrogance maybe of, of his like un, undoubted aceness that he yeah, like his, his entrance music is go ace and it's like i'll yeah. never not be usurped and okada's like no i'm gonna usurp you yeah i'm not gonna wait to do it I, th- I think with Ricardo as well, it is sort of insolence because like, yeah. like Ricardo like, has beaten him, but yet he's still like this. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, there's already there's also references to previous matches. Like um, Okada goes for a drop kick to the knee, and uh, uh, sorry, Tanahashi goes for the drop kick to the knee, and Okada immediately moves out, like he knows that it's coming, uh, and he like makes a. Uh, makes uh, like a tap to his head like I'm not falling for it this time uh, but yeah very early on Tanahashi goes for a Fujiwara armbar and then when Okada gets into the ropes he doesn't break it up immediately and and like really goes after him with stomps and it's interesting with this one when you look at Tanahashi six months earlier in the Suzuki and I said this was just pure baby face against heel and even yeah. though Okada is technically part of a heel faction, that's what um, Chaos were at this point, and Gado is very much a heel. Okada, and he's cockiness, but he never cheats. He's never underhanded. Yeah. And so this is more of a face-face match. And because of that, I think at times, Tanahashi will deliberately do 
in a way, it kind of reminds me when Bret Hart, how Bret Hart will work a face versus face match, like how he did with the British Bulldog in SummerSlam '92, like how he did with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12, how he did with One Two Three Kid in their great match on Monday Night Raw. That he's the face, but he's aggressive. He bends the rules, but doesn't quite break them. But he's definitely like a lot less virtuous in this match than he is against Suzuki to help mm. gain sympathy for Okada in this match. Yeah. It's the... Because um, after, obviously, he's he's um, holding on to the armbar. Then there's like the sort of the hammer lock where he uses the ropes as leverage, mm, mm. which he's, he's just using every advantage he can to try and weaken that Rainmaker. Yeah. Yeah. And so, go on. I was going to say, when Okada won, did he use, did he win with the Rainmaker? Yes, yes. And, and, and it was a different version to the one that we'd seen him use against Yoshihashi, where instead of going down with him as like a flying clothesline, he makes it a stationary, more just like a traditional, like a Stan Hansen lariat in that way. Yeah. And it's, that, it's that sort of just that whiplash effect, isn't it? It's the control and the suddenness of it. It's a fantastically, you know, it's a clothesline. And it's not even like an elaborate, like really, it's not a big bloody musk, you know, big arm rough Texan like like Hanson or JBL or the like who are just going to... Or Steve to, Williams. You know, they're not going to go through your... Try to knock your head off. He's just trying to knock you... Like, there's precision to it and everything. Yeah. I think it's, it's just... I think it's more like he's just trying to give you yeah. the whiplash. Well, you know, like, Okada, even though, like, he's strong, his arm is not, like... He's probably, like, half the circumference of Stan Hansen's, you know, but yeah. in a different way. Um, like I said, it's more like precision, like he, you know, you know, and and control. He, whilst Stan Hansen is a wild flailing about, Okada's very specifically wrist control pulls you in, knows exactly where you're going to be, knows exactly where to hit you to win the match. It's a drone strike versus a carpet bombing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and again, uh, he tries another arm submission. Again, he holds on to the ropes, and then we do hear some boos, and he does look out to the crowd a bit like, "What's going on here?" You know. Like, actually, sort of playing up a bit of arrogance and and um, yeah, hubris, I suppose. Thinking the crowd will always be on his side. Um, and, and there was always that thing with Tanahashi that, he, like Cena, he always appealed to the women and the kids more than he necessarily appealed to the male audience. Yeah. Um, so then he tries to do a move on the. He goes for a, a dragon screw, and uh, Okada fights that off, and then Okada hits DDT on the apron, and it's kind of like all Japan in that sense that it's like it takes a big move to turn the tide. So mm. Okada now gets a, 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 an extended period of control thanks to that big move of the uh, DDT on the on the apron, and the aprons in New Japan are really lo- large as well. It makes the ring look huge. I don't know if it's an 18 by 18, but it looks as big as a WWE ring, even though it might be a bit yeah. smaller because of the way the apron's designed and everything. Yeah, it looks like they've got a lot of space to operate on. Um, also, one of, like I said, one of the things that weirdly works with Okada and his cockiness and also his um, humour. I think there's always some humour to his character. Uh, when he now tries to do this sort of weird variant of a, an arm stretch that puts more the pressure on Tanahashi's neck, he can't quite flip over. You know what I mean? Mm. He can't quite jump over to land on his feet. It takes about five attempts. And then when he finally does it, he does do a big goofy grin of like, I knew I could do it. (laughs) (laughs) I I just got to back myself. I was fine. I was fine. Yeah. And he looks to the camera for it as well. But like I said, both men are using unusual submission holds. I think it's because they they know that 
so much of what their traditional uh, moves are, the other guy knows, so they've got to surprise them with something they don't know. And I, yeah. I don't even know the names to half of these holds, and I, you know, well, this is it. Describe what, them. One of the notes I've got here um, after Tanahashi misses um, a crossbody uh, is Akada applies neck crucifix. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that's a thing. Yeah. It's just what I've written. It was the closest very, like move I could think of. Yeah. Uh, Tanashi tries a big fight back, but then he misses a flying cross body, and Okada like immediately tries to take advantage of that and immediately puts him into a grounded submission hold. And when Tanahashi—that's the reaches, one I call the neck crucifix. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when Tanahashi yeah. reaches the ro- ropes, it's it's noticeable that Okada breaks quicker than Tanahashi did, even though, like I said, Okada in theory is the heel mm. of this match. Well, I guess he's trying to emphasize the point that he doesn't need to utilize yeah. the five K. So uh, Okada, uh, Tanahashi gets back into it by going after the hurt arm, but then Okada surprises Tanahashi with the dragon screw leg whip, and then immediately hits a running low drop kick. So it's like hitting two of uh, Tanahashi's trademark moves against him. Because again, Tanahashi's prepared for Okada's moves, but he's not prepared for Okada doing Tanahashi's moves. His moves to him, and it, yeah. And it adds extra insult to the injury as well. Um, so yeah, then he gets into a chin lock uh, with a neck crank in the guardrail, and this is a bit of cheating as well. He waits for Red Shoes to turn his back, and then he kicks at the railing, so it, it damages Okada. And then he turns to Red Shoes like, "No, I haven't done nothing." Uh, you <laughs> sent me a message at some point, I think, saying you're becoming a bit of a Red Shoes fan. Uh, I love the way he. He's, um... he's the most expressive referee we've had since Tommy Young. Yeah. And I'm starting to realise the value of that, I think, the more and more I watch of Red Shoes. I found it annoying at first, but now yeah. I love it. Can it be to the detriment of what the wrestlers are trying to do, though? Like, you can't make it about himself, can he? Is that bad if he makes it a bit about himself? I mean, I I haven't had that feeling yet, watching Red Shoes. Will I in the future? Who knows? There's a lot of Red Shoes for me to watch, so... He takes him like, he's an active participant in the match. Like, when someone hits a big move... He will then essentially tell them, go for the pin. You know, you, yeah. you, you know, don't, there's no need to make this go on any longer. I think he's done. He'll yeah. do exhaustion. He'll do exasperation. Um, he's very pantomiming in his motions. There's a moment where there's a really close submission point in this match. And he's literally like, talk to me. Like his hand gestures are very clear. I want, he's like, he's almost pulling open. His I need to hear you. To yeah. Hear, you know. But then it doesn't seem... And Okada would be interacting with him and Tanahashi will interact with him as well. I'll be very curious to see what happens if his son does become a big star. Because his son is a young lion at the moment. He's uh, he's Dean... Uh, sorry, John Moxley's protege. Shooter. Oh, uh, a shooter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so Tanahashi goes after the hurt arm. Uh, sorry. Whenever he wants to get back in, he, he goes with the hurt arm. Uh, Okada tries his tombstone which is set up to the Rainmaker uh, Tanahashi escapes and rams KO in, uh, Okada into the rails because he's going for it on the outside and he goes he keeps going after the arm again that's the key like Tanahashi will not let go of the, the, the uh, like he's as vicious with that as, as he was to Suzuki's knee and what's great is that yeah. he will adapt his attack and then he also just like how Okada needs to control the flow by hitting that big move with the DDT on the apron Tanahashi also does a similar thing where he goes out and does a high fly flow cross body from the top rope to the outside. Like that is Manami Toyota levels of, uh, you know, putting your body at risk and heights. 
Um, and then when he gets back into the ring, uh, he does he does the dragon screw arm leg whip, but it's to the arm instead. Yeah, well, that's a really. And then afterwards, he just starts throwing his like sort of European uppercuts to the arm, which I, I like that. I like yeah, that a lot. And every time Okada tries to hit back with his own forearm, he crumples to the mat because of how much pain he's in. Yeah, it's fantastic selling from Okada. Um, Okada's like next move afterwards is beautiful as well, like the flapjack. Yeah, sort of thing yeah. He hits. And that's the thing he has to surprise. That's the key though. You have to surprise their opponents. Uh, he goes for a running elbow drop and a neck. Drop to the knee, so he drops his neck onto his knee. Uh, then goes for a top rope elbow, but it hurts his arm in the process. And then he does his rainmaker pose, and he can't keep his bad arm up. Yeah. So again, it's just constantly because, like, again, it's just like the Suzuki match. They're not doing anything wrong. Everything has a point. Everything works within the flow of the match. You know. Um, oh yeah, it's it's. Sorry, um... You're right. There's no wasted motion, and he, uh, I, I the next move is again one I I didn't know what to call. I called it a figure four STF. I, I guess I guess that's what I would say. Like is the close is, is the closest thing key, I could think with, of. With New Japan, is there's always the key is like the the inherent the, the, the historical significance of, of moves like Tanahashi doing the dragon suplex and the dragon screw leg whip. They're both homages to Tatsumi Fujinami, who was the guy that inherited from Inoki as the ace of the second generation. He was essentially to New Japan what Jumbo Saruta was to All Japan. Also, the Dragon Screw Leg Whip was a very popular move that Kijimuto did. So it's like continuing that on. Mm. I, saw, I saw recently uh, Tenzan, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, talking to a young lion who's now on, a, on an excursion. He's working in uh, Britain uh, a lot at the moment. Can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he was using like uh, Tenzan moves, like the Mongolian chops. And Tenzan says to him, do you want to know this move properly? Because I will teach you it. It's, a yeah. move it's very effective. So it's like maybe he will continue the legacy of Tenzan as the big burly brawler that does those hard chops, you know? So it's like Tanahashi saying, I'm the inheritor of Muto. I'm the inheritor of um, Fujinami. I'm in that tier. And, and, I belong and here. One of the key moments that Tanahashi did to solidify his ace uh, uh, stature was a couple of Wrestle Kingdoms ago, he had beaten the returning Kiji Muto for the IWGP title that Muto had beaten Shinsuke Nakamura for. So again, it was like that passing of the torch symbolically is what is now yeah. Okada's trying to do to Tanahashi, but this is gonna it's going to take a few more years before that happens. And a few more five-star matches. Uh, what's interesting as well, it's like it's like the uh, Minoru Suzuki with the figure four leg lock. It's not fully applied, and the key battle is to apply it. He's going for this neck crank that he never quite gets before Tanahashi can reach the ropes. So then later on in the match, when he does apply it, and he does get the neck crank in, that gets the crowd going, and it does seem like a genuinely possible finish to the match. Yeah. And also, the STF is another historically significant move because that was Luthez's preferred finishing submission hold that then was inherited by Masahiro Chono, who had one of Luthez's... I think Luthez's final match was against Chono in okay. Um And so that's seen as, like, the... You know, that's the, that's the submission equivalent of the back suplex within New Japan. Mm. And so Okada's doing his own version of it with the added figure four elements. Trying to improve on greatness. Which was also a I, move I, that was loved by Fujinami and Kijimuto, the figure four leg lock. Yeah. I do love the way it tells the story within that, though. The fact that they're setting the table for later on by not quite getting this move in. Yeah. It's 
little, little microcosm within Chekhov's, the map of storytelling. STF. Yes. <laughs> um, then we get a great um, exchange uh, where um, there's a great exchange where um, Tanahashi uh, hits uh, the charging Okada with a drop kick. Goes for his dragon suplex, and it's a great bit where someone oftentimes they'll fight out of it. That's his preferred suplex. So if he can't get that in time, he immediately adapts and turns it into a straight jacket suplex where he captures the guy's arms, and it's like a German suplex, but arms captured. Right. Uh, around the midsection. Yeah. Uh, then he hits a Northern Lights bomb and goes up for a, a high fly flow. But at that moment, Okada's up and is able to drop kick him to the outside. And that was one of his trademark moves that he tries to do earlier in the match. Because Okada just has an incredible jump, like height on his jumps. So one of his favourite moves was to seat someone on the top rope, hit them with a standing drop kick that sends them to the outside. He tried to do that earlier to Tanahashi and hadn't managed to do it. But this time he does it as a desperation to prevent Tanahashi hitting high fly flow. So whilst Tanahashi was expecting it when Okada was setting it up, Tanahashi essentially set himself up himself up for it this time. He should put himself in harm's way and paid the price. That is the reason they call the top rope high risk. Mm. So again, it get, the, the fight's getting more intense. Uh, and it's not about cockiness. It's that they're desperate to put the other one away. He whips Tanahashi into the railings and then boots him into the crowd. And then hits a draping Randy Orton DDT off the guardrail. No, I did like that. And so then we get the, the classic New Japan count out nearly where he gets in at 19. Okada hits a Death Valley driver. That gets the first uh, long two count of the of the match. That was one thing I forgot to mention, actually, um, about the Tanahashi and Suzuki match. Did you notice that they never went for a pin until the very last? That that The, the three count that Tanahashi got was the first pin attempt of the match. Thinking about it, you're right, but I hadn't I hadn't noticed at the time. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just going along with it. Yeah. So again, Tanahashi avoids the, which is kind of the key turning point of an Okada match, which is the drop kick, and then hits a low drop kick to the arm. Again, it's just constantly going back to it. I liked the body language when he did this. Mm. He was just so zeroed in on that arm. Yeah, like yeah. I'm going to get that specific bit yeah. with every part of my like every bit of force i have like i'm not gonna just hit the general area i'm hitting that mm. so now they're, they're really going for the big moves mm. at this point uh oh uh, tanahashi tries a sling blade okada catches him tries to hit the rainmaker tanahashi blocks it uh okada escapes the dragon suplex and hits the rainmaker but, but his, his arm is way too hurt for him to yeah. get over and, and go for the pin I don't think he hit the... Did he hit the Rainmaker once in the Tokyo Dome match? I don't think he did. I'm not too sure on that one. I have I, no I could... note of it. Yeah. He tried it and Tanahashi turned it into a sling blade. I don't know. In my notes, I don't have him ever hitting the Rainmaker. So this might be... So when Tanahashi kicks out of it, it might be mm. the first time anyone had kicked out of the Rainmaker. But it was also a delayed pin for Okada. Yeah, it had a qualifier on it. But what's interesting is Okada does have a big smile on his face at this point because he has, he thinks he has Tanahashi where he wants him. That's why he goes for like the uh, like turbo Tomb killer with the pile driver. Yeah, yeah. Well, the tombstone, like I said, is the setup to his finishing Rainmaker. But 
Tanahashi turns that into a victory roll, but Okada, again, he's just one step ahead at this point, and Tanahashi's just trying to survive, because he rolls through that victory roll, and immediately adapts it into his figure four um, STF, and he, like I said earlier, he's got the neck crank. Yeah, and, and to um, go back to your dro- top rope dropkick point, Tanahashi was able to fight it off earlier when it was obvious that's what Okada was going for. When Okada transitions from something Tanahashi's doing straight into it, he gets the neck cranking. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tanahashi's just looking to avoid, uh, you know, a finishing move of a of a tombstone or a, or a rainmaker. He may not be even expecting the submission hold within mm. the, within the psychology of the match. Uh, so Okada goes elbows the neck, but again, this is where the Okada cockiness sometimes comes out. He does sort of pose a bit too much when he charges at Tanashi in the corner, and Tanashi's able to hit him with the boots. Um, uh, Okada then tries to set him up for a corner drop kick, but uh, Tanashi kicks him away and again goes back to the arm, and he hits the high fly. And so now it's t- Tanahashi's turn to get back in control. Gets his high fly flow cross body, follows it up with a sling blade, then gets the dragon suplex that he tried to get earlier. This time, Okada's sufficiently weakened. And that gets basically the longest two count to the point that it seems like maybe Okada should have kicked out a bit quicker. Yeah. It's basically as long as the two <laughs> Time did slow down ever so slightly in that moment. So now it's like Tanahashi knows this is his opening. He goes up for the fly, high fly flow. But at the very last minute, Okada gets his knees up. And then Okada hits his drop kick to the back of Tanahashi's neck ahead, and so again targeting the neck. Tanahashi escapes the tombstone, but Okada holds on. It's kind of like that key thing about maintaining risk control. And then essentially it's like a test of strength, but it's like a battle of the gut wrenches. A battle that uh, um, Okada does ultimately win as well. But then Tanahashi immediately goes after the arm. Yeah. Then Okada tries to turn that into it because they're holding onto each other. Okada goes for the Rainmaker. Tanahashi ducks it. Then Tanahashi goes for a tombstone. Okada reverses it, hits the tombstone. Rainmaker, one, two, three. Red Shoes goes to raise Okada's arm, realizes it's the bad arm, and then switches to the good arm. <laughs> the little details. Again, like, like the Tanahashi Suzuki match, I just can't find fault in this. It's a perfect match. It's, 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 Except for it's, Okada not quite being able to get that that neck rack move quite right at the start, but then he played into his character like I meant to do this. Yeah, yeah, it's just fine, totally fine. It's it's weird not seeing any wasted motion. Like mm. I guess compared to the, some of the stuff we've seen. In terms of, like, now you've put it in my head, the amount of pinfall attempts you see, especially in, like, um, WWE matches, yeah. just seems to slow things down. But here there's none of that. It's just two dudes who seem to know when they'll have, have got a guy weak enough to start trying. Yeah. Well, I've got, like, three noted pinfalls in this match. There might have been more. Uh, no, let's I've see. I've got four, sorry. I've got four. When Tanashi hits a straight jacket suplex... When uh, Okada hits the Death Valley driver after Tanahashi barely got into the ring after the draped DDT on the outside. Then when o- Tanahashi hit the Dragon Suplex, it looked like it could have been a three count. Uh, when Okada hits his first Rainmaker. Oh, yes, sorry. So that's five. Yeah, five. And then obviously the second Rainmaker. And they're all moves that didn't make sense to go for a pin anyway. Yeah. 
Like the guy had just been out the ring for like 19 seconds recovering. Yeah. And there's not extended mugging of like, oh, he kicked out, I can't believe it. There is some, but you know, it's not, you know. It's not to the level of shocked Undertaker face that we've... uh, I think it's pretty obvious I'm I'm giving this five stars, but I will also say it almost feels too perfect, as weird as it sounds. Yeah, yeah, I, I did sort of notice that tone, but... Yeah, well, it's just it's great. I I also would give this five stars. It's yeah. beautiful. I think also because I also feel like I know there's more to come, so it mm. just feels like part of an ex- continuing narrative. Like I, I'll say, I preferred the Suzuki match a little bit more, but they're both five star matches as far as I'm concerned. I can understand that. I'd find it hard to split the two. I really would because they're they're great. They tell different stories, but they're both really great. Does this get five stars from you as well, Simon? This does indeed. This does indeed. Well, I think we've talked quite a lot for this one. So let's leave it now. Uh, We've got more Tanashi and Okada to look forward to. Um, But we've now reached match 80. So we've had our eight, another batch of 10. Admittedly, last time we got things a bit mixed up with the additional Nagata, uh, Kawada, Fushi, Izuka match. Oh, I mean, I, I just get mixed it whenever I look at Fushi, so... So, um, uh, another guy oh. that maybe maybe beats uh, Okada in the looks department or something. Oh, gorgeous. Anyway, um, if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, and, and, and rank and compare hotties in Japanese wrestling promotions, what can they do? Um, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of cold showers I'm going to have to take now. I've started thinking about Masanobu Fushi again. Mm. My name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N in Tanahashi. That's my email address, if you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my Instagram account, Twitter, Letterboxd, Facebook, The Works. Uh, buy my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. Um, so yeah, next we have a debrief episode, where we'll be going over our revised top ten list. Fair few matches along the way in the last ten that we've given five stars to. Will this be the case again? We'll have to wait and find out. But um, and also we'll be covering a, a listener email, uh, email question, and we'll be talking about a match, or maybe more than one match, considering we're covering a ten-year period uh, that did not get five stars from Dave Meltzer that we may disagree with, as may a large portion of the wrestling fan base as far as these matches go. But until then, there's nothing left to say except my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time.